Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome to another podcast, Power, Strength and Vulnerability. Today I have a premiership teammate of mine uh, who's come in to share some of his story. His name is John Orman. Uh, He's a, a great bloke. He's probably misread, quite misread, do you reckon? A little bit misread, I reckon. A little bit misread. Scare everyone off. So you'll probably see a picture of him when we share when I share the podcast, and he uh, loves his gym and got tats and stuff, and probably everyone thinks he's this crazy psycho, which semi true, semi true. (laughs) But at the same time, um, I've watched him and seen him help a lot of kids aggregate, and he's always willing to put himself out there to help others, and he's been happy enough to join me to talk about a few of the things that he's gone through and he's only doing that to basically help other people, correct? Correct. Correct. So, John, welcome. Thanks, Shane. <laughs> um, firstly, we want to talk about your childhood, um, mental health and what you you know went through growing up. Okay, so growing up, I grew up in Seville um, on a farm. Um, very big sporting family. Uh, sport was everything. Um, uh, mum and dad, great parents, um, sisters, two sisters, and uh, mum and dad supported everything I did. Uh, didn't really put any pressure on me. Um, but there was pressure there because my family was a very well-known sporting family. Um, so to me, growing up, uh, I was just going to play footy for Richmond or cricket for Australia. Uh, that was pretty much it. That was my life goal. Um, and probably growing up at school and I was expelled from three schools just because I was a bit of a larrikin <laughs> and I didn't need to really worry about anything because I was just going to play footy for Richmond like Richo and, and cricket for Australia. So that was that was good. <laughs> um, I remember probably getting to – so I was a pretty confident bloke. Um, obviously, with being decent at sport, you kind of get that mentality where you're good at sport, so – Nothing else matters, you know, you're half good looking, so you go all right with the girls. Everything's kind of creates a bit of an attitude. Plenty of mates. Plenty of mates. Um, yeah, and I was just a civil boy and, um, yeah, love my mates and, and love the clubs. And yeah, growing up, my, I suppose my first issues with depression was, um, I think I'd just gone to Luther College in year 10. Being kicked out of Mount Ludolph, been a bit of a naughty boy, nothing too serious, just just not towing the line. Um, same thing, was going to play footy, you know, I was captain of the footy team, captain of the career team, can't expel me, sort of stuff. Yeah. Lasted Ten, till year nine. Turned out they can. Yeah, yeah, they can. So, <laughs> um, and I got accepted into Luther because dad played, went to school and played footy with the principal, so that was good. Um, so I got in there and same thing, but I remember going over and, um, I had really big issues with, I was really confident, but I started to get really bad skin. And um, so I had like eczema, really red under my eyes and red on my nose. And man, I always looked like real bad sunburn and I just couldn't fix it. And um, it really made me like really shy. And obviously at that age, you just start talking to girls and things like that. And um, it kind of, you know, sapped all the confidence out of me. I was, you know, looking down at the ground, which, you know, shaking people's hand when I meet them and I was always taught to my dad to when you shake a guy's hand you look him in the eyes um, when you're playing footy you look at the coach in the eyes and you listen to him there's even a point of that you know I was I was just totally sapped of confidence and probably the only time I really forgot all about that was when I was playing cricket or footy and you know but that was probably my first um, big issues with depression and then that continued um, so it I remember the pharmacist saying to mum when I was trying to fix it all, she's, he's, she's, he's like, don't underestimate the effect that this can have on him. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, and I suppose I got teased a little bit, which is probably looking at me now, people wouldn't believe. But yeah, I you know, copped a bit of grief and, you know, I suppose, yeah, I don't know, that was, that was a big thing and something I had to, had to learn to deal with and that's when it started to happen. And then I suppose as I turned 18 or a bit older, um, a way to probably lose um, 
feeling about it all was to play footy or cricket and just get pissed yeah. pretty much. And um, I just write myself off and I was at that age, I had a lot of testosterone and, you know, and I was probably doing things that I, you know, regretted and, and behaving in a way like I was pretty, pretty loose for a lot of years, I reckon probably three or four years and brought away a lot of my, you know, I wanted to be one of those guys that says you could have done something good, but definitely if I had a knuckled down when I had some opportunities arose for definitely cricket, I could have gone further. Um, but instead, I was just getting drunk and, and trying to wipe myself off and forgetting about life and on a real high. And, and then um, I suppose I wasn't scared of much and, you know, would probably go out to Dakota or, and uh, take on a whole footy team and I was yep. okay with that, um, which is, you know, you're always Dakota, a small place. It'd be Borealic Football Club, which is what I played, and um, there'd be Wandon and then it'd be Moorabah. Yeah. And everyone's... Hung around with each other's girlfriends, ex-girlfriends and all that sort of stuff. Well, you beat them by five goals that day and then you've had a few drinks and you bump into one of them. So, yeah, I became pretty loose and pissed and, and just wasn't overly um, probably happy with my behaviour. And there would be days when I wouldn't get out of bed for three or four days or five days. Uh, I wouldn't eat. Um, yeah, a lot of that went on. Um, even at 2022... 20, I was captain coach of Wandon Crew Club. Yeah. So you're, you're captain coach. So this confidence was still there in some capacity, but at another capacity, you couldn't really see yourself doing anything because you weren't getting out of bed or whatnot. I was uh, I was always asked to take on those roles. I'm probably the same now. Yep. And um, I'm always wary because obviously I don't want to let anyone down. So um, when Wandon gave me that, that opportunity, it was... Literally, I was voted in and didn't have a choice. They all wanted me to captain. They all wanted me because they saw me as, as that. Yep. Um, I had all these secret battles. Um, yeah, so I do want to ask yeah. you on that. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but right. through, these, through those teenage years and when you started drinking at whatever age, 16, 17, 18, and through that time, was it completely a secret battle? Did anyone know what you were going through? Does anyone now know what you went through? Uh... Oh, my mum, uh, my dad, dad doesn't really understand it. Um, he's a pretty tough fella. Yeah. Um, it's not that he doesn't want to understand it. I just don't think that's ever really been an issue with him. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's the same with my dad and mum. Yeah. And he, he just doesn't, you know, he's, he's a good bloke in that. He, we struggle to communicate a little bit, um, which is yeah, the only thing we do connect on is sports. So it's pretty much half the reason I play cricket. So he comes and watches and tells me that, you know, that 100 wasn't very good. And I'm like, okay. But, yeah, it's not something he really understands and, and the tr- my triggers and, and things. From, it's tough to, yeah, I mean, I've had a, a good friend of mine since I was born. He's my best friend. Yeah, his name's Tiger. And he works at the top line in the cricket centre. Um, we've been, his mum works for my dad. Um, he's probably been, he's been there for me since forever. Um, we talk on the phone two or three times a day. Uh, we have, when I was in Queensland, we, we have forever. And uh, without knowing it, uh, he's my best mate. And, you know, he's, he's just a normal dude. He captains the twos down at several and he's just the best person in the world. So I suppose he's known. Yeah. At times, but I think what he's always been for me is he's someone that's never done wrong, wrong by the Tiger. I love his mum, I love his dad. They're like uh, my second parents. Is she works for my dad in the fruit shop for 30 years, but he's always been a rock for me. If I, don't, if I was really, really low, I'd call Tiger and I wouldn't even have to call to talk about that. Yeah. He's just a mate, basically. Yeah. And to me, he's, you know, the best person in the world. And um, I literally. I'd do anything for him, no matter what it was. Um, and, yeah, he's an amazing human and he's just always been there. And he's never – I've spoken to him about lots of things and he's never never told anyone stuff. And, yeah, I think just having a good friend like that and it might not be actually talking about deep, deep with what's going on, but just having someone to someone always there. talk to or spend time with, um, yeah, that definitely, definitely helps. But a lot of people don't know and, and the year I did coach Captain Wannan – I had the the strange thing was it was when my depression was at its worst. Uh, I was taking antidepressant uh, presents and I was worried it was going to affect my um, uh, what is it coordination and stuff. Yeah, but um, you know a lot of the boys we played with now we had Youngie as an eighteen year old Simon um, Troy 
playing everyone there and and yeah there was times where i'd say you know i'd rock up to training on thursday and i'd been in bed all week and i hadn't eaten and and then i'd turn up at a game and i I just hit it yeah because i didn't want to let any of the guys down um but i did have a genuine love for every single guy in my team um and i know sometimes i think they do know now that when stuff's going on they they kind of they kind of understand and i might say uh been missing in action for a few days or can't train because i'm crook and yeah but yeah but that's it on there you know? is that was there a fear of speaking up around that time of judgment or was it just you just preferred to keep it to yourself? Oh, probably. Well, because I'm meant to be number one, you know, yeah. the, the leader and, and, the, and the, you know, nothing affects me. And it's definitely a way that I've tried to play my sport is that nothing affects me, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. the man. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I think a lot of boys will follow, not follow, I don't mean, but but be not in power but you gotta you gotta you gotta have like a leader of men that's what it's about if you're captain and i obviously had a lot of young kids there who i who i loved and i didn't want to see his but i will say one thing when i was coaching and captain i, I never drank at the club and it never i really really did pull my head in yeah um and didn't want to set i did there was young kids there i didn't want to be partying with them i didn't want to be you know i still had to be able to tell them when they'll to pull up and yeah. they respect me as as the captain or coach but yeah it was i knew my problem was alcohol and my behavior on it and which made me regret and not be able to like breathe because i was half the time i couldn't remember what i'd done so someone had ring me and say johnny you remember you know you punched this guy in the face and and i'm like no no i didn't i didn't they're like yeah yeah like he's got a broken jaw and it's be like fuck you know oh i I swear but bugger sorry yeah yeah yeah, sorry and uh, yeah it was just a you know, or I might say something to a female that I shouldn't have said, or, you know, I definitely wouldn't say if I was sober or, you know, disrespectful. Or um, I remember one time, like, Dazza, Tiger's brother, he um, was doing burnouts all the time out the front of my house and stuff. And then one time I was pissed and one of the boys said, you know, let's get him back. So I just dropped massive burnouts in the driveway and then I came back the next day and Tiger's mum and dad were fixing up the, the trenches. I pretty much tried to dug out the front, you know. And I just suddenly said, what are you doing? But, um, yeah, I probably wasn't happy with my behaviour. I remember the footy club at Worry. Um, I had a few family issues there that affected me. Um, me and my cousin were close, more than close. The same thing is very uh, – Trevor Selby, Trevor Selby, Trevor's captain of the best ever Worry team, uh, centenary team. My dad's captain of several best ever team. Um, I probably felt a bit more pressure from that side of the family. It's a bit more cutthroat, um, that football – Cricket and he's everything. Yeah. Uh, me and Trav used to kick the footy and play cricket in the backyard since we were little. He's about six years older than me. Um, he's captain coached a lot of teams up through the Yarra Valley. He's a good player. Trevor was better than us all. Um, still probably is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and yeah, that took it out of me too. Growing up, I was um, and definitely affected my mental health, fighting with uh, family and and stuff like that. Literally over. My cousin would probably drink and I'd drink and we're in the same footy team, I suppose. And, yeah. you know, what are you doing, you little rah, rah, rah? You're wasting all your ability. You're a disgrace. You're this, this, this. And me being who I am, uh, you know, if you, and I'm better than you. And rah, yeah. rah, rah. And, and it just kicked off and me and him had a few fights and this would go to my shoulder and I needed a shoulder reconstruction. So that kind of, yeah, that affected everything too. So family's kind of, yeah, there's a lot of things went into it. But just I felt like the drinking culture at football clubs and uh, like lock-ins and stuff like that. I had to try and get away from, I know that I couldn't function and get, I couldn't play footy and I couldn't play sport and get pissed all the time because I just wouldn't survive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, that, was that not only the fact that you're drinking, but you're, you're doing things and getting phone calls Sunday morning about things you've done, you're probably having to live with that. Yeah, the, the guilt, the you know, uh, and just upsetting people I wouldn't really want to and and I like to think you know I've got manners and and you know you know and even now because I don't drink now I'll go to like even the wedding um, I went to a wedding last week with a few of the boys and you hear some of the things once they get drunk and they just they say in front of other people and you hear them and it, you know they wouldn't say it no nah, I know it. it I get a bit upset because I feel like it can hurt other people's feelings yeah. so I actually try and make them pour up but not that they're deliberately doing it but they probably don't know how loud they're speaking yeah yeah and yeah there's just things like that like I 
Yeah, I was disappointed in myself, but I, I didn't feel I, there was times where I tried to quit uh, drinking, and um, in the end, you know, I'm epileptic, um, so I have seizures, and I'm not really meant to drink anyway. Yeah. So I had, um, and growing up, I have lost my license for over a year drink driving. And yeah, and yeah, so I, I've made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, so you have made mistakes. We've got, we've got through that, mm. um, and you've always been one that's owned up to that, and. I haven't shied away from the fact that you've done that. Now, I want to talk about through those sort of teenage years, the depression and the self-esteem issues with the skin and stuff. Um, did you see a psychologist? When did you start antidepressants? And, you know, how do you, if you did both of those things, how do you think they affected you and helped you going forward if they did? Um, I definitely think I did take antidepressants um i do take antidepressants still so i definitely think i'm not an expert on it but i i definitely know when i go off them that i'm not in a great spot yeah and um usually if i've got a missus or something um i've had a few <laughs> they can tell if i've if i've um stopped taking them yeah. so it, it's a really dangerous thing for me not to take them yeah so i i honestly think they do work it definitely make me a bit more level, level I think yeah, yeah. and um, and then yeah, you've just got to man- well, I've got to manage what I know will um, taking the tablets and what I know will help me being being a better mindset yeah yeah so as far as a counsellor and stuff um, I was f- later on down the track because it gets I was forced to see a counsellor yeah um, but by choice I've never really seen one and uh, years ago my under 12 coach knew that I was having some trouble and it was a big part in getting me into cricket and he used to he was one of dad's best friends uh, Graham Johnson yeah he used to help me and uh, he asked me he was trying to organise a council for me because he knew that and he's like you can meet him anywhere you can meet him at McDonald's you know yeah. this type of person and I kind of shrugged it off and you know because I had a lot of a lot of suicidal thoughts you know and tried to crash cars and I cut myself and this was all before you know the age of 22 I was just I was, I was a loose cannon yeah uh, then with that came no fear you know what I mean? So yeah. I, had no, I had no worry for my own safety. And like you say, you talk about the suicidal thoughts and tendencies. Um, does that come from, I guess, guilt, shame, fear, being scared of your thoughts, what you're going through, not knowing all of that stuff? or Probably just being not seeing a way out, not seeing a future, just, you know, just probably just thinking that, no one's going to miss you, yep. you know what I mean? And and when you look and you think, what am I going to do? Like, what's my life, you know? Just, I'm just going to be living in several in the cold and, you know, yeah. like going through every day feeling like this because yeah. this is shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, a big highlight was sport on the weekends, but at the same time when you're riding yourself off, but you're looking forward to that one night of getting pissed, going to Dakota and being a dickhead, you yeah. know what I mean? There's got to be more to life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're probably you're probably lost in this. Hundred percent at times, I still am. Yeah, you know, like it's you know, I suppose these days I feel like that, you know, I just, I just want to be a good human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, is there anything else through the childhood you know that you want to talk about? Um, you know, you, you spoke about you were teased through there. Do you think you were? Yes, you were teased, but do you think you sort of feared? And that there was more judgment that you didn't know about. Like, was there anxiety there? That yeah, yeah. I probably, I probably made early on didn't feel anxiety as much. It was just really depressing. Yeah, yeah. Like, just really no self confidence. Yeah, I was shot, man. But um, what was the question again? Sorry, <laughs> that's all right. Um, so through those teenage years, like, was there the, not just the teasing, but was there fear of? being teased more and judged more than what you actually were? Like, did you feel... Yeah, probably, probably, you know, but I think people are talking behind my back yeah. and, you know, I've always been, always was, you know, the larrikin, confident and and stuff like that and then all of a sudden, you know, something had shot me down. I suppose it could have been anything. Like, I know people have, like, suffered from acne and stuff like that or, I don't know, man, like, it was just a real confidence thing. It just came up from nowhere. I remember getting braces, um, pretty much got braces and... And felt the same thing, yeah. but not quite as bad because a lot of, but you know, that was all just an image thing. I wanted to be able to go out on a date and smile at the girl yeah. without covering up a crooked tooth that I had. So, but yeah, it was, it was definitely tough and yeah, it was out of my control and I couldn't fix it. Mm. Yeah. 
You've spoken about the teenage years and sort of up to the age of 22. Um, I guess there's an incident in your life which has probably changed your life dramatically. What age was that before we go into the detail of it? So it was 2000 and it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, this was 2010. If you need to break it any time, just uh, let me know. All good. It was 2010. Um, so it was a year after being captain coach of Warnden. Um, I'd had a year where I suppose my cricket had exploded. Um, I made a lot of runs and, and it was, we, we won the premiership the year before. We'd come very close the next year. I think I, I missed the stumping that I took it the battling fourth and what it cost us, I think, getting to the granny. I can't 100% remember, but it was time. I, I just wanted to test myself a little bit and, um, yeah, I'd moved on from Wandon to, um, a club called One Turner South and, and signed a, uh, fairly big contract, uh, great club. And it was big. It was almost like semi-professional for me. I was playing with some district cricketers. And yeah. um, I think uh, Kingy, uh, Matt King, well, he might not have been there then. He was there later. But it was a big moment. And um, it was the second game at One Turner South. And contract, the only clause I spoke in the contract was an injury. And I've never been injured before. I went to a 21st and then I had a um, another party. Uh Back at, at Wandon Cricket Club, oh yeah, Cricket Club, and uh, yeah, I was I was drinking. Uh, I don't think I was drinking too much. Um, to this day, I, I still can't honestly give you exactly what happened because I lost my memory. So, from all reports, um, I was on the dance floor. I was teed up to get whacked, um, and who knows? I'm not saying that I could have been being a goose. Yeah, I might have might have been, um, and um, yeah, I was. Howled and, and whacked um, by a few guys from reports and then uh, went down and um, broke my skull. And I think I must have been knocked out in the process of the punch and then went down and broke my skull on the concrete. Um, I had seizures and uh, was, um, yeah, taken taken into hospital. Um, I was taken to Marunda. This is, I don't have memory of it, of course, but then I had uh, three, they found brain bleeds in my head, one in the back of the head and two in the front. So apparently when your head hits the ground, it's in a shell and it was like whiplash and it pushed the brain back into the to the front. So yeah. I had, had two brain bleeds there. Um, then I was emergency taken to um, ambulance with the lights on and everything to the Alfred Hospital. What's the first thing you remember after all of this stuff that you don't remember? Usually after I have a seizure or something, I'll just, I'll know. Yeah. Uh, i open my eyes and just growing up, I'd always, mum was there, she'd just hold my hand. Yeah. She knew I was about to yep. be really upset because yep. it really rocked me. Um, usually for a week I'd have like migraines. Um, I don't there's not really one moment of when I was like, because obviously I was, you know, I suffered brain bleeds, uh, amnesia, and was classed as a uh, ABI, which is aggravated brain injury. So technically, I am brain damaged. Yeah. Um, I never ever regained my smell, and I didn't have a taste for about a year. But I suppose things that I remember, I remember a few boys from Montana South coming to visit me, which I thought. Well, looking back on it too, I only played two games. I was actually one and a half games in. I was 10 not out. Yeah. I remember a few of those boys coming. Obviously, Tiger came down. But, yeah, it was a tough time, man. It was, yeah. Did you realise the severity of it straight away? Or did it take a while for you to sort of realise what was actually going on? Because you've obviously had seizures before. Do you, was it something that, oh, this just kind of just happened? Or what was... Um, I knew it was... Obviously, the way I've been brought up, being this is a weird thing to trace back to cricket, because I was 10 not out, there's no way I wasn't going to turn up for Saturday. So when I did come to, and it's hard to say, what when I did come to, and, and you know, I'm Johnny Orman, like, yeah, you know, I'm Superman, I can yeah. play. And then I had the things in my, my um, wrist. Yeah, or, I mean, yeah, the, the drip and that. And um, I remember trying to pretty much break out of hospital. And I like tried to jump out of bed and Brilliant. fell over. Yeah. All my balance, everything was gone. Um, yeah, so I suppose everything I'd kind of based my life around was gone. Um, which, you know, one night you go out and the next night you've lost every single bit of ability you ever had. And, and, and hope. Hope. Um, it was my not my ticket out, 
It was my, I was getting contracts, you know, I was um, about to explode, you know, about cricketer, like, um, not about to explode, you know, but I, I just, it was a high point in my life, as in, I was leaving the valley, I'd signed a career contract with a great bunch of guys who I'm still friends with now. Yeah. Um, and Sam Barnes from Montana South is much like Tiger. Yeah. Um, we speak every day um, from Montana South, so it's... I think he's probably the only bloke that didn't hate me when I played him in the twos one year. <laughs> he's, uh, he's probably the nicest human alive. Yeah, he was really yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Now he Second gets in sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But um, just to be, I suppose the biggest thing was I'd ask Doc, you know, when am I going to be okay? And there was no answer. So it was like there was no timeline on when I was going to be okay. So if you're weak keeping, you break a finger, you know it's all good. You tape it up or whatever, it might be, you know, three weeks and it's okay. Same with the hamstring, all that sort of stuff. I had no timeline. I was being asked by the clubs, like, when are you going to be okay, okay? And uh, it took a long time um, towards the end of the se- season, which is, you know, like February, March or whatever it is. Um, I'd been recovering at home or trying to and probably skipped a bit there, but said to mum, I'm going to train. Yeah. She's like, you're not going to train. I was like, I'm going to train. And I was, and I couldn't even put pants on, like on one leg. I had to sit down because I was on one leg, I'd fall over. Yeah. Um, going to the toilet, I had to sit down and I did a piss because I'd fall over. Yeah. I would yeah. stand there pissing and be concentrating on pissing and, and then, and, and I'd just fall backwards. So your I, brain wasn't working for you? Nah. And, um, I tried to, I said I'd be right, and I remember going down to cricket, and my mum pre-warned a few guys that want to turn to south. You're gonna to have to like let him back and give it to him, and let him realise himself he's no good. Yeah, and uh, obviously realise that, and uh, yeah, it was just a really big thing. Everything you know, your dad kicking. Dad used to kick balls at me from about a metre away at footy. We got the shed and the lights and cherries. We got cherries, great cherries, and he just kick it at me as hard as he could and say it's good for your reflexes. And he'd handball to me on the right hand and then back on the left hand and then vice versa, kick both feet. And I loved him for it because he he worked so much and he all he ever did was all I wanted to do was kick the footy and, and all that sort of stuff. And he did it and then just building up something for your whole life and, and then in a second it's gone it's a, it's a big thing that you base your life around in that net session did you feel like not only your dreams were gone but you felt like you were letting your dad down as well in that moment yeah dad um, my family and my mum the club uh, one turn south for taking taking me yeah um, yeah, I just, I was, um, yeah, I was a mess, man. Yeah, I was, um, obviously had to do rehab and spent time down at the William Anglis Hospital, um, where I was walking with the, the wooden things on your side and yeah. I was on trampolines and getting balls thrown at me and I couldn't catch a ball. And for me, why not to be able to catch a ball? That's pretty weird. And so, so in your mind, you understood that you used to be able to do that and now you can't? Yeah, I could. I, I knew how to walk. I just had no balance. Yeah. I knew how to kick a footy. I just couldn't stand on one leg and kick a footy at the same time. Yeah. Just things we take for granted. I definitely couldn't run and kick the footy at the same time. Yeah. Um, because you don't realise you, these are skills you require over the years and you don't realise how actually hard running and kicking a ball is. Yeah. Like you're on one foot for a bit and you're running and you – but it's things that we've done since we were little. And, um, yeah, I lost I lost everything. And, and in saying that, for me, I'd lost everything on what I thought – everything was yeah so with that came you know have you heard what happened to johnny and everyone was there was a lot of people upset there was a lot of people like threading rumors that you know i was retarded pretty much i'll never be the same again uh, johnny's shot you know and i suppose i did feel a little bit of not people were happy about it i don't seem like that but yeah, they, they saw it coming oh uh, no i just felt like i wasn't supported by I don't think people knew, and everyone knew how serious it actually was, like I could have died. Yeah. And how close it was to dying. Yeah. Um, had a lot of people, Wayne Ross, and finally it would drive me around, and I'd just keep repeating myself to him. I was repeating everything I was saying. Yeah. My brain was fried. Um, and I suppose probably the big thing is that as far as violence is concerned, um, and sometimes, you know, I probably do need to take some of my own advice, but... I mean, you know, but there's been times where I've walked away from incidents and I have the, you know, I could have, like, you know, weddings, every, I always choose to, whatever it is or not, choose to avoid an altercation because, 
you know, one punch changed my life. Um, you know, and I've got family. I know my mum went through, I think mum went through depression trying to see what happened to her kid. Um, it was really tough on my sisters. Older, younger? Two older sisters. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a bit, but it's not only me. If I had a, a girlfriend, it's tough on her. I can't, I don't think I did it at the time. I didn't. And it's also tough if the guys who did it went to jail. Um, it's tough on their families. If they had to kill me, they'd have to live with that for the rest of their life. And it's just not worth it. Like, you're out of control. If you punch someone and you knock them out, there's a bit, two metres, you know, that have fallen and hit their head. Um, and, and as you said, it doesn't change the person that's been hit's life. It changes everyone's life. It's a it's, ripple effect. That's it. It's a ripple effect. Um, you know, because I'm sure people who did it, their parents, um, if they went to jail, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I wanted retribution. Mm. And it's part of the reason I'm, I moved away. Um, I moved up to Ely Beach, and that was a big part of my recovery because I met a guy up there, Mike Buter. Literally got a, a unit opposite the gym, and I've never been to the gym before in my life. And uh, I was my uh, Ely Beach to me was like paradise. I'd been there for two or three days at Tiger, and I'm like, that's it. I said, you know, and a big part of my recovery was the fact I wanted to go somewhere where no one knew that I was good at sport and stuff like that before. Yeah. I was just a white, pacey, 65-kilo, ugly dude with no muscles because I lost 15 kilos from muscle um, deterioration. Yeah. I hadn't been doing anything, and I was really happy not to know anyone. The other thing was I quit drinking. So I'm now nearly 10 years sober um, on October 31st. So for me, it was a great reason to give up alcohol. Um, alcohol was obviously a big issue with my depression, big like coming down yeah. after a big night out. And then, yeah, I moved away. No one was buying me drinks. I just knew that I didn't drink. And so they weren't coming up going, oh, you know, where's Johnny? And I um, joined the gym and the first guy I saw was a big tattooed scary monster and he listened to my story and was like, I'm going to help you and um, showed me what to do. Uh, my memory couldn't remember anything. Yeah. So the next day he showed me again and then he drew... Um, pen marks on all the equipment. Um, like one, two, three. Yeah. Matched every, drew diagrams. I matched everything up. Um, he saved my life. Um, there was constant suicidal thoughts. When I met him, I said, look, I just want to be a fucking weapon. Yeah. I don't want anyone to ever touch me again. And I started gym and I you know, went from 65 to 90 to 95 to 100 and I kept growing and fell in love with it. And without gym, I, I definitely wouldn't be alive. It's all I had because yeah. I didn't have sport. I didn't have anything. Well, it was all gone. And that was the start of my recovery. So it was no alcohol. With all the what happened to me, I developed post-traumatic stress disorder, which another thing dad probably doesn't understand, like starting the mowers and that at the front or mum couldn't empty the dishwasher because I can't listen to it. Plates hit each other. Yeah. Um, you probably don't know how serious this is because of even playing cricket with me. You probably wouldn't aware. Um, if one of our teammates, Troy Murphy's got a very loud voice and even when he talks in my ear, I'm just like, mate, like he's, my heart goes in me and I get scared. Yeah. Um, blokes would wrap their, grab me in a headlock from behind and turn around and punch him. Yeah. It's because I wrestled him because it was an instinct. Yeah. I'd yeah. been, I'd been whacked, I'd been demolished. Yeah. And it was in building me and I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it and I still can't get rid of it. Um, yeah. And when I moved away and I had to, I suppose the biggest lesson for me was taking the positive from a negative and not worrying about having my retribution with those guys or re revenge. Yeah. It was more concentrated on myself and the way I recovered was my own revenge. Um, I pretty much, yeah, did a lot of work on the outside of my, I suppose, physique and, and healed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely not, not right not fully healed inside, yeah. which I think is a lot more complex than, and you know the brain and everything than, than just you know the the exterior because really we're not you know big deal like you got muscles and that's who cares you know what I mean it's more what's inside you but you know I met I moved to early I lived in paradise and uh, for for years um, you were there for six years yeah off and on yeah, yeah. and I had a um, when I first went up there I probably met my Definitely one of the loves of my life, yeah. She, um, and she loved me when I was skinny and white and pasty and, and I still talk to her now and 
but I wasn't in a position to have a serious relationship. It's probably one that got away. I mean, it was serious, but I didn't keep her. Yeah. Um, she, and that, is that purely because a lot of people don't keep relationships they probably know are okay, but is it fear of you just – not fear, is it the fact that you want to get yourself right? Yeah, you know, like I was suffering really bad migraines and, you know, and I was, I was just not quite there. Like, yeah, you know, I loved her and probably still do, but it was just, you know, and she was a bit of a gypsy, so she travelled – like, you know, she ended up moving to uh, Western Australia and um, we were on a break and she met some other dude and we – I'm not that it was – we were on a break and anyway, she she moved on and maybe that's all good, but it was just – yeah, back to early, I just I moved away and I met her and I, and I like to think that from a positive came a negative. I developed other relationships. I lived in paradise and I had to form my life on being a good person and rather than just a good sportsman. Yeah. And I felt like I had to be, yeah. So I didn't do gym to be big and tattooed and go to festivals. I did gym to survive. Yeah. Still do it to this day and I have not gone to a festival in my life. So people used to go, you're shredding for stereo. I said, mate, you know, I've got a stereo. You know what I mean? Shredding to save your life. That's it. And yeah, without gym, man, I I still to this day, it saves people's lives. Like you've got your set up here, you're saving people's lives. You know, you're building confidence, you're building hope, giving them hobbies, um, releasing endorphins. Um, it just becomes a way of life but um, yeah I ended up coming back and going back playing in a premiership at one turn of south and how was that returning back to the club where it, where it basically I guess you felt you probably would have felt a bit of guilt with what happened even though it wasn't your fault 100% um, what was it like winning that premiership and playing I've never I've never had a club that's supported me through a time like that the way they have I was working for my parents at the time and they contacted my family, offered workers to work on the orchard, um, fully support from the whole club, um, very professionally run club. That meant a lot to me. Um, it was amazing. It was, yeah, it came back, you know, after Chrissy played with, um, yeah, Maddie King. We went to school together. He was captain and he asked me to help him out. So I said, oh, I don't know how I'm going to go. Yeah. He had to make about 300 after Chrissy. So it wasn't too bad. <laughs> and um, never wore a helmet, um, which my mum hates because I feel like it sends the message that you're not scared of anyone. Yeah. So probably if you get hit in the head again, you die. So it's not great. But that club and winning that premiership was very – I was really emotional, man. It was like kind of ticked a box that – because I always doubted myself I would ever get back and I, and it was a big part of my life and, you know, people didn't think I'd get back. And You probably didn't think you'd get back at, at stages either. Well, you think about that first net session that your mum allowed you to go to, to where you got to. You, there's probably a doubt in your mind that's going Mate, I've been, I've, There's been doubt in my mind even up until this year. Yeah. Um, am I as sharp as I was with the gloves, this... I just, um, it was a big, it was a big moment. Like, and and that moment was probably, um, it was just huge for my family. Um, and really for a club that had me for one and a half games and to support me like that says a fair bit about them. Yeah. And I was really happy to, I suppose, contribute to a premiership there. And, um, yeah, it just, it meant the world, but it was just almost like ticking off a box that you can be down and out and really, really out. Yeah. To the point where everyone else thinks, you know, you shot or whatever, and then you can you can come back. And comebacks through hard work. The comeback for sport wasn't – I wasn't doing weights and stuff for sport. I was doing that for myself and for, it, it kicked on from rehab, one kilo weights and everything. But Mentally, you, you wouldn't have got back to sport without, without that. Without the gym, no. Not open the world. Um, I wouldn't have got there without Mike, who helped me. Yeah. Um, yeah, mate, it was a it was a big mentor in my life. Um, we had a few issues later on in life. He's a fairly scary man, but he's he's got a big heart. And he's I've seen, some, I think I've seen a picture of him. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a very notorious man. So that's but um, his heart's in the right place, and he's saved a lot of people, and he's probably saved my life a couple of times. There was a few paths that I wanted to go down. Yeah. Um, and he spoke to me as, as as a father figure and was like, that's not the Johnny I know and, and yep. you're better than that. So, you know, I've got a lot to thank him for. Um, and 
Yeah, that's where I'll leave it. That's what I would like to remember him as. Yeah. Um, to have someone and to give you direction and help you with your rehab and really care about you and I suppose put a roof over your head for when you didn't have to. Yeah, he had no obligations. No, I mean, I was the skinny, pasty. I really offered him nothing. You know what I mean? So I will, yeah, I'll feather it forever. Thankful for that. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> what, what happened after that? So you came back to Melbourne. What was it like coming back to Melbourne for the first time? Shocking. That, no, knowing that you're going to be here. Knowing what? Knowing that you're going to be here, here, here for an extended oh. period of time. Nah. I uh, usually have come back and gone straight back. Yeah. It's had a lot of bad memories for me and depression kind of kicks in. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is about the place, whether it's cold, what it is. Doesn't help. And it just, but I feel like these days I need to learn to deal with the problem instead of running away from it um, because it just follows me. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there definitely is, you know, this is where the incident happened and you see a lot of the same people. Um, as you know, as I said, in uh, I'll be honest, like, and a lot of the other boys don't really know this, like, there was, I didn't really want to play cricket at Moralbark with Simon Young because I felt like his friends were involved and it was hard for me. Um, but I honestly genuinely love that kid and I think he's amazing. So yeah. I've got to deal with, you know, things and, you know, trying to stick it out and just figure out what works for me. And, and cricket is definitely a big thing in my life to have that there three days a week and it's being around your mates and I generally think you know like I generally love my mates yeah. like the teammates and I hope everyone feels that because it's true yeah um, they do <laughs> uh, you would do anything for them and I think you know we all know a lot about each other and we all need to help each other but yeah it, I mean it's definitely affected me it's caused me some anger issues and um but yeah, I'm, I'm still dealing with it. I haven't drank in ten years, and that's that's one way I deal with it. And, yeah. Um, what are the other What are the other ways you deal with it now? Um, I mean, you do seclude yourself in a way where you will leave things prematurely or whatever. I've had a, I've had a, uh, you know, up in Queensland, I probably was a naughty boy at times and um, being harassed by oh, certain. Um, I suppose probably had issues with the police force, if I'll be honest, and I just felt like it was unwarranted and I kind of lost faith in humanity. Yeah. Um, I was told who I can be friends with, who I can't be friends with. Um, so I keep to myself. Um, I don't get involved in the drinking side of things. Um, and I tend to just hang around for a little bit and leave. I, d- I do get um, I do get anxiety at functions because yeah. it's similar to places that, where I got hurt. Yeah. Um, I tend to you'll see me stand against a wall because no one comes from behind me. Actually, now I can picture you standing. True. Yeah. Like, if you come at me, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. it's just it's just little things that a lot of people won't pick up on and, you know, if people get in my face and keep yelling at me when they're really drunk, like, it'll really affect me or knock me around so yeah. I'll just have to leave. Yeah. Um, you know, the yelling, the raised voices at the wedding, uh, once people started drinking more at the table, you know, yeah. weddings are like, and they'll start screaming and yelling and girls laughing and it's, it's just, it's too, just much. too much. Yeah. yeah, I just, I have to leave. It just takes it out of me. Um, and then Jim, obviously, still massive. You still take antidepressants? Yeah, yeah, Jim. Well, like, without Jim, I, I don't think I'd... Yeah, honestly, like, Jim, I can... I just think it's the biggest thing for, in my opinion, for people suffering depression or issues like that, that, that Jim is just massive. You know, it, it really is. And, and I know some people might... It's not like a pep talk with them, but <laughs> might think that... People judge other people or, you know, like look at people. But me in the gym, I look at people and be like, you know, grouse. Like, yeah. you're in there having a crack. Like, this is awesome. And I'll help you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I suppose everyone, I, help, I reach out to so many people and despite the way I look, I always try and help them. And yeah, I'll stop you there. You told me a story just before and you're probably not going to want to brag about yourself. Mm-hmm. But you told me a story before a kid was in the gym, 14 years old, you said? 14, yeah. Um, skinny little kid, didn't really know what he was doing. 
and you basically showed him. Yeah, took him through some stuff for the last couple of days, a little Burmese kid, and um, he was stoked. And I, I just saw him, he's a bit lost, I think he's signing kids up and not actually showing them what to do, which I think is a bit ordinary, but, uh, you know, helped him, he trained with me, and introduced him to everyone, and you know, give him some protein tomorrow because he wants protein, he's got no money. So, but I just, I think that's important because people look, might look at me and think, oh, you know, he's an arrogant Gold Coast guy or something like that, as I used to get, but everyone's come from somewhere. Yeah. So if I tell people my story about how 65 kilos couldn't walk, you know, and seeing the sun look like twilight guy yeah like they wouldn't believe it you know what i mean yeah yeah but i've done the hard yards and i understand what it's like to be down and out and everyone starts somewhere i just think it's really good like when people get in the gym and have a crack you know like whether it's a young 14 year old kid or an overweight lady or, or whatever like yeah i just think it's, it's so good for mental health yeah and everyone's there to help themselves see everyone's only trying to be better no one wants to get like you know as i said like bullied or anything like that so yeah. i'm a big i can't stand bullying i can't stand that man it's my worst my biggest biggest suppose thing that i hate the most in life yeah yeah um i want to talk about briefly like you're perceived as this big tough tough guy which you are in a way yes but how does how does that perception sit with you with so many people on the outer that don't know you? Is it something you could water off a duck's back or is it something that sits with you sometimes or sometimes you get, you're all right with it? What's that perception like for you? Oh, it hurts, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, like up when I was in Early Beach, I'd come home and walk in and say, mate, like, people were saying all this stuff about me like it wasn't true. It was like this guy's crazy. Like at the, well, a little bit, but it was like I'd done stuff that I hadn't done. Yeah. Or, you know, I'd been in jail, you know, and it does hurt because I was always willing to help. So one person would ask, hey, man, like, like if is it, can you give us a few tips? Yeah, sure, mate. Like, just train with me. Yeah. Or like if I was seeing a girl and someone had said something to her that, wasn't true, you know, and in the end, the way I kind of look at it now is, you know, I, I do have muscles and tats on my head and all that sort of stuff, but if, if you think that, if you believe what everyone says about me or, or the perception, then you're not worth being in my life. Yeah. So, as if I think it's one of the best filters. If you get close enough to me, I'll do anything for you, which is what all my teammates will say, and blokes around the club. But if, you know, you're a girl or, you you know, I heard this and you just don't talk to me again, well, you know why? That's your loss. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a real filter because if you're not going to make the effort, don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like, and I have, we developed like that that I only want good people in my life. Um, yeah, it does, it definitely does hurt. Or just, yeah, it, you know, it's when you the batsman of a cricket team talking to you and you answer the question and the umpire comes in and tries to report you. Yeah. <laughs> That's like really good. Yeah, that was ridiculous because I actually yeah. remember one incident where the batsman said that he instigated the conversation. He just you know, said, how you going? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it, it does, the perception does hurt, but at the same time, obviously, I've done that myself. You yeah. Know, like, and I probably like it because I don't, I like being different and I don't want it you know, I don't mind some people not talking to me, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, you know, no no fucks given or whatever. Yeah. It's really... It's some time. Yeah, and it's just like I am what I am. And, yeah. um, I mean, it's, yeah. Well, I want to also mention, like, obviously around the career club, we've got some young kids coming through. And what we all say at the career club is you, as you've said, you'll do anything for anyone. And you do, you help out the egos and all of those guys. And I think that's really admirable that you do that and I know that's really important for you and your health as well is that something you want to continue doing in your future like just helping younger kids I suppose by the right path and learn from your mistakes in a way or life. yeah 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 for sure like whether it be off the field or like or in cricket or football or whatever um, you know I've made a lot of mistakes and I've done wrong things um, you know I probably do have if I'm honest a fairly Large criminal history. Um, I'm proud of everything I've done, but it, you know, I've always had my honour and always, you know, followed rules and done things the right way. I think that being able to sort of help kids, whether it be they like the wrong side of the tracks, kids or like, or whatever, and just say, hey man, like, how about this? Yeah. How about this? You know, 
don't worry about that. Or whether, it, even if it's a girl, like relationship issues, you know, yep. Mate, just be careful, you know, you understand you're hurting or, or whatever, or trying if they can play sport and it can help them with the other stuff in life. But um, I just see a lot of those kids and, and, and they, you can tell that they look up to you. And I feel like it's negligent of us to have kids look up to you. I mean, the least you can do is spend some time with them because they're all good kids um, and, that, and they absorb you like a sponge and you're only trying to help them. And I just think none of us are well, playing cricket for Australia or footy for <laughs> Richmond. Like, I'm, I'm not Dustin Martin, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't – we're not awesome, but yeah. we're all right. But the last like, – that kid or that person that you helped um, takes a lot from that and you, you really need kids – Playing cricket, playing football to stop them from doing drugs or, or assaults or, you know, things like that. So yep. cricket and football is a really, you know, it's a really big thing to keep in their kids' lives. But I generally just want to help people and I, I want to see people be as best they can be. And if I see a bloke, you know, getting the ball in the air all the time as a young kid or putting in the wrong spots or holding his bat wrong, I'll try and help him. Oh, a couple more questions. Not too long to go. Um, what's it like being involved in sporting clubs now? I've seen recently maybe thinking about going back to football. Um, but what's it like in general being at sporting clubs for you? Like how important is that? Because that was a massive part of your life. It was almost ripped away. And now you're back involved with it. I had to train myself, I think, to get back in the swing of things. You know, because I just, you know, cricket's not overly... A cool sport, so to speak, and <laughs> you know, I was living the life of sun and girls and all that sort of stuff. But it it's massive. Um, just to have a group of mates, who, you know, you don't want to let anyone down. And I mean, but who stick by you? And like this year with the boys, we were, you know, a pretty solid bunch of mates. Um, it it keeps me on track, um, keeps me focused. So working cricket and um, and the gym, and that's it. Um, it's just, it's everything to me, really. Like, if I didn't have the sport in my life, you know, I'd probably, yeah, not be sitting here in this in this position. That's all from me. Is there anything you want to add to anything we've gone over or...? Oh, probably just what I was going to say or throwing before, I suppose. Um, what I have realised over the years, you can't always, you know, saying that people like judge me or, or whatever, they can, what I try and do is never ever perceive someone in the way they look. Yep. Or the tattoos, the muscles... Whatever they are, um, you know, we're all the same and everyone should be given a chance. I think, like, if, if I was to judge someone because you'd said to me he's a goose, yeah, and I have never had that, that he's been a goose to me, then I should never judge him for it, yeah. And I think everyone deserves a shot, and, um, you know, there is, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the bad people in this world are, who look like good people and a lot of the good people look like bad people. Yeah. So, yeah, I suppose that's my, that's my story and my battles, but, you know, I'm constantly battling with depression. I don't think it's something that's, you know, I manage it. Yep. So, you know, it's eight hours sleeping or not, it's, that goes in with epilepsy as well. Like, I'm always getting my sleep and we go to work and all that sort of stuff and I constantly surround myself with good people and make good choices on who I'm, around and, and what I'm doing so yeah there's definitely a pep talk but there's always you know there's always hope and there's always you know things get better thanks Johnny <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd like to thank Johnny Orman for coming in and sharing his story uh, it was extremely tough for him to share that um, so thanks mate it, it means the world to me and to everyone around um, I'm definitely sure you'll help someone out there if this has helped you um, this story I'd love to hear from you um, send me an email and um, I'll pass it on to John I think he'd be really appreciative he'll be really appreciative of that um, as we spoke about he has got this posterior and there's this perception around him and uh, as you've heard he has a story like everyone else and we all do have stories we all have baggage we all have something in our lives that holds us down um, some yes bigger than others and um, yeah I just want to finish off by thanking John for sharing his uh, trials and tribulations and how he's recovering and um he's building resilience as he goes so yeah send through some feedback on this podcast thank you uh that's another podcast for power strength and vulnerability thanks for listening to power strength and vulnerability the mental health podcast if anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings please call lifeline on 13 
For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com dot A-U.